Hello, mystery fans. My name is Jess, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. You've been listening to Her Sister's Death by K.L. Murphy, which was a January Once Upon a Book Club pick and was shortlisted for Killer Killer Nashville's Silver Falchion Award for Best Mystery 2023. Today, we have the author K.L. Murphy with us here for a virtual interview. I'm so excited to talk to her about this book. Kelly, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yay, so am I. I feel like I'm always saying that I'm excited. So I'm trying to come up with different adjectives. I'm elated to have you. I'm so thrilled that you could be here. Um, why your don't we just... Writer's the, oh, yeah. Your writer's the floor. <laughs> I, I feel like if you work in publishing, you should probably have a more diverse adjective vocabulary. So I'm trying to switch it up now. But why don't we just jump right into it and start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I um, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I have um, been writing for quite a while uh, after a career in banking, which is sort of a strange switch, but um, I shut down the number side of my brain to go over and be creative for a little while. Um, and when I'm not writing, I am usually spending a lot of time with my four children and uh, my dogs. I'm definitely a big dog lover, like a lot of people. Love having pets. I mean, what's not to love? Dogs are amazing. Right, right. right. I love that. That sounds so fun. Um, I cannot believe that you had a career in banking. Are you still doing that at all or are you writing full-time? I'm writing full-time. So I I went to college thinking I was going to major in journalism because that's the sort of thing I was doing in high school. Oh, wow. But I neglected neglected to um, see whether or not the school I was going to had a journalism major, which they did not. Oh. So um, my father said major in business, and that's what I did. So I went into banking, but I took creative writing at night for fun. So when I started working time, then I transitioned to freelance writing, and I never went back to banking. I, I can't blame you. I don't know much about banking, but it does not sound like the profession that people <laughs> are like, yes, this is my end goal. <laughs> yeah, it was great people, a lot of fun, but glad I'm doing what I'm doing now. That's, I mean, I, I'm glad that it was a lot of fun. I love to hear that. Yes, I, I definitely, as a fan of your work, I'm really glad that you are doing what you're doing now. Thanks. And that's so funny too. You talked about your university not having a journalism program. I feel like I wouldn't even think to look into something like that because journalism seems like such a common major. Well, it was a long time ago, but, um, and I think they have it now, but they didn't have it it then. Um, So maybe it was just, you know, fate's way of having me take the long road to get back to creative writing. I'm actually glad I didn't go down journalism because when I started freelancing, when my kids were younger, I didn't really love journalism as much as I thought. Mm. I liked the creative side of it a lot more. Um, so I started writing short stories and and novels and had a lot more fun. Oh, that is so cool. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely sounds like fate was like 
I know you mm-hmm. think you want this, but we're just going to redirect for a short time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know that you have some other books that you have published pre her sister's death era. Um, and those are yeah. mysteries as well. So what is your connection to the mystery genre? What made you decide to become a mystery author, especially after uh, after transitioning from banking and other creative <laughs> things that you were doing? Yeah, the dry, the dry career to mystery, to killing people. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, people say write what you know, and I don't know if it's write what you know, but write what you love. And um, I honestly believe every book is a mystery if it makes you want to turn the pages, mm-hmm. even if it's not classified in that genre. If you don't know what's going to happen and want to know, there's an element of mystery to it. But I, I am that. definitely to murder and um, trying the whodunit aspect of it. That's that's very much something that attracts me. Maybe it was too many episodes of Law and Order and Columbo <laughs> and all those. I just, you know, I love reading them. I'm always reading them constantly. Yeah. I I love what you just said about every book is a mystery if it makes you mm-hmm. want to turn the pages. I want to put mm-hmm. that on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> That's such a cool... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, cause it's true. You know, if you're excited to yeah. what's going to happen next, you're curious that curious is, right. this is coming from, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's a mystery. That's so funny. I love that. So yeah, definitely. And if you already know the end, if you already know what's going to happen, you're less interested in reading it. So sure. It's just, I don't know. Definitely. Well, it, it definitely sounds like you've got a lot of, um, you know, background in loving mystery, you know, with mm-hmm. Law and Order, some of you're listing some of my favorite shows. Growing up. I don't want to say growing yeah. up because those are kind of intense for little kids, but in my late teens to early 20s, some of the things that I was really interested in. So I'm right there with you. We love a good mystery show. Um, do you find that, you know, whether it is from your mystery shows or just you know, from other things in your life that you draw on your real life a lot for uh, inspiration? Uh, let's see. Of the books, they're not really real life, but a lot of times things are inspired by a real event. Mm. Uh, the th- third book I wrote was inspired by a story that a priest that I know told me. Oh my gosh. And that obviously what happens in the book and the murder is not true but the um kernel that started it was based on a true story and then i have um another book that i've been working on and it is inspired by uh my daughter going to babysit and i normally hear all my kids when they would come home and i woke up in the morning at 6 a.m and i hadn't heard her and i flew out of bed and went to the window to make sure her car was there because it was a new family she was babysitting Mm. for we didn't and her car was there, but I stood there thinking, what if? Yeah. And that became the kernel of a story I've been work I was working on. Um, so, that yes. is so neat. Wow. I mean, terrifying in the moment, but terrifying, so yeah. neat. Um, but what if your daughter didn't come home from her babysitting job? Sorry, Gabe just wanted me to Gabe had a question that he wanted me to ask. Um oh, so okay. <laughs> he uh he was trying to non-invasively 
present me with the question, but <laughs> I then had to like, <laughs> what are you trying to show me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I made it more invasive. <laughs> Sorry, Gabe. <laughs> um, but how did you come up with the title is, is his question. And I'm also so curious. Um, it's a very, yeah. You know, I wish I could remember the ones that I had, but I, I must've had 20 different titles for that book. Really? And none of them worked. And I just kept changing it and changing it and changing it. Um, and I don't know why I came upon her sister's death, but it was just one of a list and I kept coming back to it. Mm. Um, and then that's when I landed on. And that book, that wasn't inspired by something in my life, but it was inspired by another book, a oh. nonfiction book. I heard um, this journalist had written a book about an un, it was called an unexplained death, um, the true story of a body at the Belvedere, and it was mm. this hotel in Baltimore that had been converted to condos, and a man had gone missing. They couldn't find him, and they found him on this lower roof. They could never figure out whether it was suicide or some kind of foul play. But listening to her talk made me think about these historic hotels and a death in one. And what if it was a suicide, but what if it wasn't? Yeah. And so it was, it was I sat there in the conference listening to her speak. And that's the day I got the idea. And I wrote it down and it became the book. Yeah. Wow. That is so, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I love that you had lots of different titles picked out and then narrowed in on this one. And as I was reading, and then also I um, was the one who edited the script for the little intros and outros that we give before and after um, each of the uh, audiobook episodes. And I, I every time I saw, you know, her sister's death just you know, it was appropriate for the sentence. You're, you're talking yeah. about after her sister's death. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. It, it was like the uh, I, I would cheer a little bit, you know, when whenever you oh. hear like the title of the episode in a TV show, them, you know, saying the title, you're always just like, ooh, there's the title. That's why it's called that. Yeah. Um, so I was yeah. just always cheering every time it said her sister's death. I was like, ah, title call out. <laughs> Well, I'm glad it worked. I also loved it because um, the the theme of sisters is so, it's what kind of spoke to me in the story too. I think that's yeah. why I kept coming back to it. And do you have sisters? I have uh, one. You have a sister. Okay. Sister. Is your relationship anything like the relationship? Well, we don't, we don't live in the same town, but mm. um, we, we are really close and um, we've always... Well, I guess we didn't always get along like sisters. We had our little spats growing up, but for the most part, we've always gotten along really well. And she's just great. She's one of my early readers always. Oh, wow. Because she, she's honest. You know, <laughs> she doesn't just say, great. She says, well, I didn't really like this. Part. <laughs> That's this could so be funny. better. Yeah. She makes notes. That's good. It's great. It's great to have somebody who's, you know, loves you and therefore wants you yeah. to have the best thing out there. I have a younger brother and I always, you know, I love my brother. When I found out my parents were having a boy, I was so thrilled, but always was like, I wonder what it would be like if I had a sister and my brother and I are very close, but I always wondered if I, if I were to have a sister, if we would be as close. So I love hearing little yeah. sister stories like that. It's so fun. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> so you have. And she is the, she's the little sister. So. Oh, I feel like big sis. Being a big sister is just the best. <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. I agree. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you just mentioned that she does some beta reading for you. Um, how many beta readers do you have? What is your kind of writing process or what goes on for you between I've decided to write this book and it is now being submitted to be published? Well, I have with her sister's death. Um, that one was a little bit different than where I am now because mm. I was in this group which I really liked, but um, I unfortunately don't have time for it now. But with her sister's death, I was submitting 50 pages every month to my critique group, which, you know, that just makes you write 50 pages a month, which is one thing. Mm. Um, But you usually had six or seven people reading it in that group, and they got to read the book from start to finish, although the end product is different than the way it started. Sure. but I still use the beta re- readers. My sister, my oldest daughter was one. Mm. Um, and then I have a couple of um, other readers that are just avid mystery fans. So they're specific to the genre and um, and they give me feedback too. Oh, that's I just really have great. A, not too many because I think that if you get too many opinions, it can get confusing and you're chasing your tail a little bit. Oh, sure. And also people might have just opposing opinions about the same things. I really love this right. part. I didn't really resonate with this part. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. exactly. Kind of hard to pick a side, make some people happy, not if you, or not if you have too many, um, too many right. readers. So that makes with, a lot of sense. With this, with this book um, in the critique group, it was a mystery critique group, but mm-hmm. most of the other readers lean towards um, cozier mysteries. And so whenever they would get the chapters that were voluntary, they were like, oh, thank goodness. Those Bridget chapters are just crushing us. They're killing us. They're so hard. I'm like, well, it's just how it is. <laughs> I, I don't want to give anything away. No, I, I totally hear you, but I definitely resonate with that where it's like, you just feel so much for Bridget. You're like, all right, you know, I want, I have to know what happens to her and, 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 right. you know, but it, it's tough. It's tough because you just want it to reach resolution. And, and she just, you know, I know. again, we we're not going to say too much listeners. No, you should see for yourselves, but, um, yeah, I, I totally know that feeling, but it felt so appropriate again, you know, you know, it's a mystery that you want to read when you have to turn the page to find out what happens next. Um, right. I, I seriously right. want to put that on a t-shirt. I love that so much <laughs> or, or rather that everything is a mystery when you just have to know yeah. what happens. It next. should be a slogan. It should be a, a book slogan somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, okay. So as far as your beta reader, beta reading process, it sounds like you had lots of people, uh, an appropriate mm-hmm. amount of people, not too many, not too few, yeah. um, putting eyes on this, but as far as your writing process, I mean, to crank out 50 pages a month just sounds so much, especially, you know, the book around 300 pages, I think I did the audio book. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that, you know, 
must push you to be done pretty quickly, A, and B, you must be in such a different place from beginning to end. Do you, what was your writing process like for one? And also, do you consider yourself to be more of a planner or a pantser? Are you more of someone who just kind of runs through it and is like, the story's going to tell me in the end? I always love that question because, um, (laughs) I haven't been to a single conference that I've been on a panel that somebody doesn't ask that question. And I love that it's literally 50-50. Half the people are plotters, half the people are pantsers. And I'm definitely more in the pantser category, but I do know how it ends. I know who did it when I start the book. I know how it starts. I know how it ends. I just don't have any idea how I'm going to get there. I don't know what characters are going to show up. I don't know when I start writing that day if a priest is going to show up in the scene or a Uh, brand new character. I have no idea. But I do know that I'm going to get to the end. And in this last book, Her Sister's Death, while it only took technically six months, it went through a lot of changes. Um, Which voice I had it in first person and also Wyatt, who is a character in the book. He, in one of the early um, drafts, he had his own chapters. Oh, wow. For like the first, for about the first half of the book. And then I dropped it. I wove it into the other chapters and decided he didn't deserve his own chapters. Mm. So it definitely, you know, it, it's, Good that I had to do 50 pages a month because otherwise it might have taken me longer since I did some rewriting. I mean, again, won't say anything, but yeah, why it does not deserve its own chapters. I won't say any more than that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, I cannot believe you cranked this out in six months. And, And sure, of course, you know, with such a tight timeline. I'm sure it went through lots of revisions from start to finish, but I did. I think it is entirely unheard of for me anyway, that anybody has written a book from start to finish that quickly. That is really impressive. Well, but I'm not brave enough to do NaNoWriMo, which a lot of people are doing right now. <laughs> That's I, I fair. Just, I need it to be, I think that has to be like in February for me when there's <laughs> nothing going on. But not with holidays coming. And I just, I can't even imagine trying to do that around Thanksgiving. That's, that's true. (laughs) I, uh, for many reasons, I feel like the writing life is maybe not for me. (laughs) And part of it is that, well, the biggest thing is that I am not a writer. (laughs) But also when I think of, you know, writing 50 pages a month, doing NaNoWriMo, which I've talked to some of our authors and some of them, they were like, that's how I wrote my book was I wanted to be in NaNoWriMo and so sat down and did it. And I just find that so massively impressive because I cannot wrap my brain around that at all. Um, I can't either. (laughs) It's just overwhelming to me to try to do that at this time of year. That's why I always think it's like a cold, dark month would be the only time I could do that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, and then what you just said too, about how people are always asking you at conferences and things about whether you're a, a plotter or a pantser. It's so funny to hear that. And I'm so glad to hear that. But the term pantser was not something I was familiar with at all until I started this job. And what's funny is we posted a video on our social media of another interview uh, that I did with another author where I asked him if he was a a planner or pantser and we had a couple comments what is a pantser and so I felt yeah. so validated and like okay this is not something the average person would know it is very much writer's lingo <laughs> it is writer's lingo I actually heard it called something else which I like better Ooh. um this author called it not pants she said I don't think of it as pantsing I think of it as free writing I like that meaning I just myself to write freely and and it's you know you get two camps where the outliners the plotters basically say they can't write the book unless they lay it out they get lost along the way mm. and then I think from my perspective and some others if I know exactly if I plot it out and know what's going to happen I don't really want to write it anymore because I've already you know. kind of yeah it's already happened I like so that. it's very it's a very different approach so it's a mystery for you too, in a lot of ways. I need to be a mystery. Just so I know who did it, but I still need a mystery. <laughs> how it, how how it happened? I I I find that perspective so cool and so fascinating. Now, because you are, you know, a free writing. I really love that term. Free writing. Um, because you're, you know, free writing to some extent, but do have a goal in mind. What would you say is the hardest part of that process, or what was the hardest scene for you to write? In her sister's death mm -hmm. or just in general? In her sister's death specifically, but if you also want to talk about um, in your other writing stuff, I would love to hear that too. I think in her sister's death, the hardest parts were um, the Bridget story has a lot of difficult scenes in it. Um, and so, and not everything in it is perfect. Sure. Now, I don't mean the writing, I mean, you know, what happens with Bridget is not necessarily, um, some people will like the way that is and some people won't. And it was just hard to write, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't find another way to write it. It had to be that way in my mind, but like, I think any book, the hardest part, people say it's the muddling middle. And I don't think it matters whether you're a plotter, free writer, when you get in the middle and you know where you need to go, but that's where you're like, is this working? You start questioning mm. yourself. And I think that's the hardest part in any book. When you start questioning whether it's wor working, have you gotten off track? Um, can I get to the end and it makes sense? Yeah, I I can definitely see why it would be hard to get through the Bridget story as a writer, but mm -hmm. it's exactly like you said, it felt like you really needed those things in order to truly feel and understand where she was coming from and so and it had to be appropriate to the time period. Mm -hmm. That was really really important to me that Yeah. the way that storyline wrapped up was appropriate and realistic. Mm -hmm. And to do something else, I think wouldn't have been wouldn't have been as realistic or honest. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of being appropriate to the time period, you mentioned a little bit before that your this story is based off, you know, very loosely based off of others you've heard. What kind of research did you have to do, um, you know, on this other time period that Bridget's story takes place in and also just in general? Well, there were two levels of research. One was, um, you know, Val's sister is found in this historic hotel mm-hmm. and the police assume that she's taken her own life. So there was research on the fact that oddly, a lot of suicides happen in hotels because of the anonymity. Mm-hmm. Maybe people are thinking of their families and they, they don't want to be in their house or they, for whatever reason, that's what they choose. Um, and then historic hotels I did research on as well. A lot of them have these uh, long histories um, yeah. you know, gone through many hands and, you know, historic foundations have taken them over and people have passed away in them and there's ghost tours and all these different things. So there was that. And then, um, I've been working on another side book for a long time. That's kind of close to my heart that's set in 1918. So I've done mm. all the research on that period. So that was really easy to transition um, in the Bridget story, I I knew the whole time period already pretty well, you know, what the city was like, what clothes they were wearing, you know, all those sorts of things, the prohibition, um, it just kind of fit right in easily to sure. that. So it was kind of two different types of research. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it definitely sounds like you had to really dig into a lot of that. Now, how much of the Franklin Hotel is really, you know, bits and pieces of other hotels that you researched kind of combined? It is 100% a piece of one hotel and a piece of another hotel. Oh, wow. Except except, um, when I came up with the gentleman's lounge, um, the juniper that's in the hotel, that is all my imagination. And the story that Lawrence tells is a real fairy tale. Um, that's called, and, but I didn't, I didn't really plan that. That just kind of happened. Um, the Juniper was just a name I came up with and then I found the fairy tale and it fit into the story, but that that whole Juniper and that whole part was just my imagination and the way it was decorated, but the huge fireplaces, the chandeliers, the ceiling, those are all like a little bit of one hotel, a little bit of another hotel. Oh, that is so neat. Put it together. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I really, really love to hear that. I mean, there were aspects that were from you too, but it really, I mean, I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes. I feel like I'm cutting myself off because I have so many things I want to say, but, um, I just always as a reader appreciate so much the attention to detail of our authors specifically, but authors in general, where I feel like it's so clear when someone really puts not only their heart and soul into their work, but time and energy and research into these aspects of their story. And I say this all the time, but it just makes the difference as a, on the, yeah. the reader side. So I love hearing that everything that I was captured by was so intentional on your end. Uh, I've had, I've had a lot of people ask me if the Franklin is real (laughs) and 
I really love that question because it was really important to me that the Franklin, the hotel itself, feel like a character. Yeah. I wanted it to be kind of, not alive, but feel genuine and real, like a place you would want. You'd be like, oh, we're going to Baltimore. Let's go to the Franklin. Sure. And of course, but I wanted it to feel that real. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I, again, you've heard this a million times, but to me, I, I really made the difference. Uh, and it lends to the page turneriness of it in oh, that good. you you're like, this is real. I'm immersed. I am, you know, this could be a story that I hear in the real world because it feels it felt so real. So oh, good. Again, as a reader, I feel like I'm always expressing my appreciation for good work and well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Of course. Oh, thank you. It's really my my pleasure to to get to have this job for one, but to get to read incredible writing um all the time. So thank you for for providing. <laughs> Good, good. Um, and then, you know, I say read and, you know, for some people, this is reading uh, just because different people can consume media in different ways. But really what I mean is listening to the audiobook, which is how I prepare for the podcast episodes and how all of our listeners at home are consuming your book. So perfect segue to my next question, which is, have you listened to your audiobook and what was that experience like for you? Well, I got to hear the voices before um, because, you know, Cam Cat is so awesome about letting you um, hear the auditions. And um, luckily it was the same people that I liked the best. They were all great. All the auditions were great, but these voices just to me were the characters. And yeah. then when I heard them, listen to the book itself I just thought they did such an amazing job and I have had people tell me that they've listened to the audio and a couple say you know it got them through road trips and a couple of others have said you know thanks a lot I couldn't sleep at night you know <laughs> not that it was scary be a little bit disturbing Unsettling. a couple of times yeah <laughs> And um, it just made me happy because I know those narrators are great and they did such an amazing job. I think they can take anyone's great narrators can take anyone's work and make it better mm. without a doubt. Another t-shirt saying. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, they just, they take your words and they bring them to life and you, but you as the listener still use your imagination. So it's different than a movie. Yeah. It's just hearing the inflection and the way they say it, all of those things. It just really adds to it. It definitely does. And yeah, you know, I think that part of my enjoyment of reading all of these books is when you hear the voices, it sounds like their voices. It sounds like they are telling you their story. And it definitely yes. came across for this one where, like you said, they sounded so much like the characters. Yes. You mentioned, they did a 
They did. They really did. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the movies and, you know, the difference between audiobook yeah. and movie, obviously. So you know where I'm going with this. Our audience yeah. also knows where I'm going with this because I think I don't think yeah. I've missed an episode. I think I always ask this question. And I've also pr- I've told you this question was coming. So hopefully, you know, maybe you have an answer. Uh, if your book were to be made into a movie, who would you cast? And I might not know some of these actors, so I have my iPad here. I'm going to pull up some pictures so I can see if it matches. You're going to know these. And Ooh, okay. I, I really didn't, I didn't choose the, I didn't choose voluntary based on how they look so much as that I love the dynamic between voluntary as it evolves throughout the book. Yeah. And so my dream, dream, dream people would be um, this actor and actress who have um, done a lot of movies together. And so I think their chemistry uh, plays really well. And that's, I think Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper are so good in movies together that that is yes. just like, a, it's such a pie in the sky. If we're going to dream, we might as well dream big. So Absolutely. there you go. And then um, for, for Bridget, this is might be off the wall, but I just think that... Um, Florence Pugh could be that young, mm. innocent um, girl who gets stronger, almost caves and then finds strength. I think that she would be good. Yeah, I I love that. I really, I've, I've, you're right. I do know all three of those actors. Yeah, yeah I didn't even know all of them. I just was like, I'm not going to be obscure because it'll, you know, if it were made into a movie, we might as well make it big. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love that so much. I, I hadn't not thought Jennifer Lawrence, I think is great, but now that you say Bradley Cooper, I hadn't thought about that at all as an option before, but I, mm-hmm. I love the imagery of that, you know, of him being right. just like, well, again, not going to give anything away, but being Terry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, there's just something about those two when they do stuff together that, it's just always good. Yes. So truly. that's kind of what I was thinking. Oh, that's such a great, su- such a great combo. Okay. So we've mentioned other books that you have written, other things that you're working on. What can you tell us about other pieces of work you've done? Any upcoming things you're working on? Any sequels? Although I, the story, well, you could keep following the Franklin Hotel. There are options for you. <laughs> I have been asked whether or not there are going to be more voluntary books, and mm. I'm not sure yet. Um, the 1918 book is done. It's mm. it's out there. We'll see if it gets picked up. And then there's a new mystery series that may go somewhere and it may not go somewhere. I've got lots of things just sort of working. And... Um, and then a new standalone I've been working on as well, which is more um, two women who uh, have an inciting incident and they don't see it the same way. And so they tell their story. It's the same thing that happened, but from different viewpoints, which just makes me think of, you know, you you grew up as a child and you and your brother, the same thing might have happened, but you remember it one way and he remembers it another way. And oh, so yeah. It's sort of. It's sort of like that. I love it. That's so real. <laughs> yeah, um, we're gonna it's, hold. It's real, but it's applied to a murder. 
Yes, exactly. Applied in a murder context, but still, you know, really resonates the different perspectives. You know, speaking of, we were just talking about our siblings a minute ago, but yeah, my brother and I will definitely, you know, as we're driving in the car someplace, just him and I start reminiscing on stories and I'll be like, wait, that's what you think happened. And he'll be like, that's what you think happened. So it is. I I love that. I love the idea of that applied to a mystery because I'm always right. so fascinated with differences in perspective. So I I love that. I'm excited to see what happens with it. And hopefully, you know, yeah. I, I love to, to, this is my little saying, but I, re- I always mean it. I hope it comes across my desk. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someday I'll get to have it. On, we'll get to have it on the podcast, whatever the, uh, the yeah. order of operations will be. That's, hoping to have you know some of these things get out there and that's the that's always the goal for any writer yeah. just to get it out there and read it yes um and as a reader again i think the goal of being a reader is to read amazing books so yeah. um i am very excited for it Kelly, we are coming to a close. We're not quite there yet. I have one more big question that I want to ask you, which is what are you reading right now? Um, I actually, I'm always usually reading two books at the same time, but right now the one I started is, uh, I'm usually listening to one and reading one. Great. Um, But the one I'm reading is uh, Tess Gerritsen's new book called The Spy Coast. And... um, it is addictive right away, which I really appreciate. I mean, yeah. it, it's where you, you're just, you can't wait to get back to it to see what's going to happen next. She's just, she's a great writer and it's a little bit different. It's not her, you know, Rizzoli and Isles um, book. It's definitely, I don't know if it's going to be a standalone or the beginning of a series, but it's really great. So I recommend it. Good to know. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for coming on with us. It was so great chatting with you. Um, before we let thank you it. go, where can or where do you want to be found? Where can our audience find you? Um, the usual places. My um, website is kellylarsonmurphy.com and Instagram and Facebook, I think, are Kale Murphy author. So I think you can find either one of those. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I had to write it down so that I could find it again later. Um, Thank you so much again for coming on. It was so great to talk to you. So great to hear about all of your little backstory to writing this book and about you. I'm so glad you were able to come on and chat with me. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And to the listeners at home, you can find Her Sister's Death by K.L. Murphy in ebook, audiobook, and print formats on our website, camcatbooks.com, or wherever books are sold. You can listen to Camcat Unwrapped on all major podcasting platforms or watch us on our YouTube channel. And of course, make sure you give us a follow on social media at Camcat Books. Thank you all so much again for tuning in and unwrapping this book to live in with me. My name is Jess, and I will see you all next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.